Hello, and welcome to the Slingshot Group podcast, where we tackle the leadership topics everyone is thinking about, but no one is talking about. And now, let's join our hosts for today's episode. Hello, and welcome to the Slingshot Group podcast. My name is David Miller. I'm excited to get things kicked off for this episode. You know, around Slingshot Group, we we use this phrase, fit matters most, often when we're talking about uh, a, a good team and a good candidate or someone who's on that team. You see, it doesn't matter how talented an individual is or or how attractive or healthy an environment is. If they don't fit, it simply isn't going to work. And what's funny is, even as I say that out loud, that seems like it should be common sense. But so often, we see incredible uh, leaders at incredible places, and it just doesn't work out. You see, fit matters most. Today, we're going to listen in on an interview that I had with a longtime friend of mine named Justin Herman. Uh, Justin is widely recognized as an expert in student ministry. He hosts the podcast called Controlled Chaos, which is really intended for those that, that lead student ministries. He also worked on the book Controlled Chaos with Kurt Johnson. He's an awesome guy. The interview and the conversation uh, is enlightening and fun. Uh, and I can't wait for you to hear what Justin has to say. Following this interview, we're going to get back at it with myself, Keith, and Vance Martin as we respond to some of the things that came out in that interview and, and add a little bit more thought and, uh, and, and really dive into the next layer of it. Can't wait for you to dive into this. So let's go ahead and get started right now. Enjoy this interview with Justin Herman. All right, I am here with a uh, pastor and host of the Controlled Chaos podcast, Justin Herman. Justin, thanks for being with us, man. Absolutely, man. I love, thanks for the opportunity to be part of what you guys are doing. Uh, it's so fun. Well, dude, we're talking about something that I wish I would have had uh, a few people having this conversation with me before I got into ministry. And, and it's around this, when, when you're good at your role, but you're in the wrong culture. So, oh. so thinking about it this way, uh, when you're a really good uh, youth pastor, worship leader, lead pastor, executive pastor, whatever that role is, but the, the church or the nonprofit that you're working in uh, really expected something else out of that role. And so yeah. again, it's, it's a form and function question. And you have some real experience with this, some recent experience with this. Why don't you give us a little bit of the flyby of your story and really how it fits in here? Yeah, Man, I, I love this topic and I'm not an expert on a lot of things, but the, I think those who um, should talk about stuff hopefully have some kind of experience. And I have experience being at a place Absolutely. where I, I was a great fit, where it was really good. And I was at a place where I wasn't a great fit. Yeah. You know, Gary Vee, he's kind of a big, you know, business guy now, talks about this, says uh, that you know, the, when you're hiring, you're kind of guessing you know, you're hoping, but firing is knowing, you know, that's interesting. you know, when I was, when I was at Sandals, like, uh, you know, I was there for nine months and culture was such a huge thing there. Yeah. And I, when I was talking about this on my podcast in control chaos after I was let go that, you know, if you really want to know if a, if a church takes their culture or an organization takes their culture seriously, it's when they're willing to let people go over it. Yeah. And I was definitely let go, not because of my competency, not because of my strategic thinking, not because of my skill, not because of my relationship with parents or leaders or even other staff. There are a lot of staff that, that love me there. There's a lot of staff I still love there that I talk to often. Yeah. I was let go because I was not a fit for the culture. They were open with me about that during the whole let go process. And it was a hard reality to breathe that in. I wasn't a fit for the culture they were trying to create. I lived that experience. And so, yeah, being able to talk about it, it's, it's, it was probably rough at first. And now after being months and months past it, I've kind of embraced a lot of the learnings from that in a different way. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm excited for this. That's awesome, man. That's really good. Well, um, talk to me about um, some of the things that you wish you would have known or wish you would have asked before getting into the yeah. the culture that wasn't the right fit for you. There's a there's three really simple things. Okay, things that only now looking back do I say, oh my gosh, like these are yeah. I should have asked this stuff. How do you, how how do you guys deal with change? Like I never asked that. I just assumed that everyone deal with change from the way the culture I came from dealt with change, which was, hey guys, we're making a change. Yeah, here's the change. Um, 
see you guys tomorrow. Like, you know, it was, sure. it was like, this is the change we're making. And it, we, as a leader, we would lead through and change management was us as leaders managing the change that we've just either announced or led yeah. people through. And some people love that. Some people hate that, whatever. Sure. The, at Sandals, it was completely different. Change management literally was a big, long process. One of the steps of this process, which this is such a double-edged sword because I don't at all want to come off or sound like, you know, I don't care about people's feelings. I care deeply about people's feelings. I'm, sure. an, I'm an eight. I have a big soft spot in my heart for people and I am a protector of people. Um, I also have vision for the future and where we're going and, and I have a, I have a, an expediency to get there. You, you just approach that care for people differently Yeah, is, is what it is. Again, not necessarily this is the right way or this is the wrong way. There's the way that Justin does it, and mm -hmm. then there's the way that this culture has yeah. done it. And so when we would get change going at, at Sandals, we were talking about change, you know, one of the big steps of their change management process was to listen to people, listen to people's grievances, listen to people's feelings and you know their frustrations and their hurts. And I'm listening to that thinking, man, that's that's a that's a whole lot of <laughs> that's a whole lot of time I'm gonna invest in listening if they if, when we're talking about diametrically changing everything about the ministry, right. their job description. You know, one small thing we were moving from live teaching to video teaching. Mm -hmm. You know, that's so easy to say in a statement. And I can I can get out in front of a whiteboard and draw out a strategy of how to do it over the course of three months. Yeah. You're diametrically changing everything about a youth pastor's job when you're moving from live teaching to video teaching. Right. You're changing everything about small groups. You're changing everything about the strategy. You're changing everything about how you communicate information to leaders, how students experience the room. Mm -hmm. It changes everything about the job of a youth pastor and then how we're developing leaders. Mm -hmm. It changes everything. Everything. Yeah. It's easy for me to change everything. I like changing everything. Right. So if someone walked in the not room. Not everyone does. Not everyone does. Right. Now, if, so one of the core steps being, hey, we got to, you know, create space to listen. And, you know, coming from a, a background of, well, if it's not working and you can prove it's not working on a metric sheet, then we need to make changes to get it working. Right. I wouldn't spend a lot of time listening or I, there wasn't an expectation that I spent a lot of time listening to everyone yeah. talk about how the failed strategies led to where where we're at today where we need to make a change. Yeah. Where in a healthy change management system or at least in the culture of how they were developing their change management system, listening was a central part. Mm -hmm. I was inept to do that at the time because I never spent time in that culture where that was an expectation of how to lead. Yeah. Now, can I do it? Yeah. Have I gotten a lot better at it? Yeah, especially over the last couple of months of thinking of, man, what would I do differently? Sure. Especially in this culture, what would I do differently? But man, oh man, it was a huge central part. Another piece, another piece, um, when I look back at the culture that I, you know, it's not, not that what, what I would have done differently. Which um, you would have known before. Yeah, which I would have known before. Um, I, I probably would have loved to get a better sense of people's preparation or their desire for change. Yeah. You know, I was one of the only outside hires. You know, I think that's a huge question. Like how that's many huge. outside hires do you have to your, to the organization? Yeah. I was like one of three yeah. over the, so there were people there when, so you walk into an organization and it's like, oh yeah, man, some of these people have been here 10, 15 years. They've been here since the beginning. Right. Killer. Oh my gosh. Longevity must be a thing here. Like you it's keep awesome. people, you retain people. Well, if, the, also hard to break into. Yeah, it's also hard to break into. Like, right. That's like me looking at my family and saying, yeah, man, everyone in this family has been here since they were born. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, like what kind of longevity you have in that family? Well, yeah, it's a freaking family, bro. Like they all live in the same freaking house. Yeah. So it's completely different when you're going into an organization as the new person saying, well, well, that's great. Everyone who's been here has been here since the beginning. How many people have been here like three months right. or a year. Like where right. are your, oh, there's no one who's who's been able to last a year from the outside. Oh, that's really weird because yeah. I'll be coming from the outside. I know. Why didn't they last? What right. were some of the problems? Um, that was a huge question. I wish I would have asked that. Um, just looking back, that's probably one of the biggest questions yeah. because that number is really, really small. Sure. And which again, isn't a bad thing. It means that they're super selective of the people they bring in, and yeah, not everyone can thrive in this place. Yeah. Now, there's a little bit of self awareness there that if it's like, oh well, why you know the last four people that didn't succeed, why didn't they succeed? Oh, they had a really hard time going through the long process of change. They they just were kind of a bull in china shop, and be like, oh, I mean, you look at your, my own backside, be like, man, there's my bull brand right there. Like I, I'm definitely a bull in a china shop. Maybe I wouldn't be successful here. Yeah. And do I have the self-awareness to admit that? That's good. Like the, the hardest part is saying no to an opportunity 
when you feel like you don't have a lot of opportunities in front of you. Right. But saying yes to an opportunity, like I said, no to other opportunities to go to Sandals because yeah. it's like, oh my gosh, this job is great. I'll be the network guy. I'll oversee the whole youth ministry. When in reality, if I would have asked that question, I probably would have in, or at least my wife would have in a moment of self-awareness say, hey, listen, if they if the last four people didn't work out in different parts of the church yeah. because they were bull in a china shop, listen, you're definitely a bull in a china shop. You will not last here. You going here and acting like, oh, you, I'll just be different. That's not a... Saying I'll just be different is not a leadership characteristic. Sure. Okay, there's yeah. no book that just says, don't you just say, just convince yourself you'll be different and you will be. That's not real. Yeah. You are, unless you put real time into changing the kind of leader you are, you'll go and do the exact same kind of things. No doubt. So that's the, the second thing. The third thing is when it comes to honoring, when you first hear that, you're like, oh my gosh, this sounds so great. Yeah. But how under having a fuller understanding of how that practically plays out, I think would have, would have saved me a lot of pain. Yeah. Realizing that when I say how seriously they take that, maybe that's a better way of saying it, how seriously they take that. Because you've been around a lot of churches, so have I. Right. And they got the mission statement somewhere mm-hmm. that's four sentences long. No one knows it. Right. They have the values written somewhere that they sure. pull out once a year d- during the review time. Yeah, staff retreat. Exactly, staff retreat. But yep. hey, guys, remember, we're about integrity and, and foot washing and, and the other things, you know, whatever. Got to dust it off. When, when it, someone said to me, and I want to be so clear, this is not a knock to mariners in any way, because I think someone could listen to that and be like, well, it sounds like you've experienced at churches that, you know, just don't take those things seriously. It, it's, they do take it seriously, took it really seriously at mariners, but it's the extent of are we willing to make the most difficult decisions based on these values that we say, sure. you know, are, are true? Like, you know, the, are we willing to do that? And, you know, Seattle obviously was. And so when they say, hey, we take valuing really serious, honoring really seriously, well, how does that actually play out? Mm-hmm. And how seriously do you take that? Do you take it seriously enough that if that's not happening, that you're going to let someone go over it? If I think if I would have asked that, they would have said, well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and it would have been another self-aware moment of, okay, I know I push the boundaries a little bit. I push the limits a little bit. Sometimes I come off kind of harsh, kind of, you know, kind of crass, not because... I'm a jerk. It's because of my unhealthy eight that comes out. Um, you know, would I survive? Would I thrive in that culture? Yeah. And if the answer is not, well, absolutely, yes. Well, then maybe you should take a step back and, and ask yourself, well, what? why am I going to put myself through this or take the risk of this? Like, it, yeah. it, those are some of the things that I would have asked and what I wanted to know. I think that's really good. I, I, I there's, a, um, there's a question that we'll send candidates in with often and it's it's a common question, but when you really ask it, and you, you can kind of get to the heart of yeah. of, of what it is. And so, so I, I always am recommending um, talking to your supervisor before you accept the job and saying, how do you define success for this role? And I think when you start to understand how they define success, you will start to see what they actually want from you moving forward. So sometimes they're going to define success by, I know churches that will define it by um, amount of engagement with leaders. And others are going to have uh, amount of students, you know, it's, it's butts and seats, right? It's amount yeah, of students yeah. that show up or amount of attendance, you know, people that are there. Um, others are going to say it's going to be uh, on your review. We're going to really talk about how your marriage is going. Yeah, I mean, sure. You, know, you start sure. to get a, a little bit of the context of, of this is what this team, this church really values moving forward. And you have to ask yourself, do I value the same thing? Okay, so I do agree and disagree with what you just said. Yeah, I agree in the way that that I would ask that question. Yep. Like the, the, I definitely ask that question. Yeah, because that, I think I got that question probably from you years ago. Yeah, like probably. because that is a great question. Here's the thing: at a church that doesn't have strong culture, mm-hmm. who doesn't have strong culture, strong values that dictate that culture, asking the question of how do you measure success is a banal question. Because they'll say the same things that a lot of people say. You know, the um, you know, we want a thriving youth ministry. We want a growing youth ministry. We we want butts and seats, and we want kids in groups. Yeah. But at at a, at a church with a really strong, defined culture, it the question becomes not just what do you want to do. It becomes what can we do to get to that goal? Because if mm. the answer is well, this is what we want to do. This we want to, but let's use butts and seats. Attendance is the metric, or baptisms. Okay, whatever. Sure. 
attendance and baptisms, that's what we track. If you get if you get a thousand kids in small groups and you get two thousand kids to show up at summer camp, but you only have a hundred kids showing up every week and you're only baptizing twelve kids a year, then you're failing. Like yeah. so you could have, you know, that we look at attendance and we look at baptisms. Okay, great. So now we're clear. But how can we get to those goals? If the answer is by any means necessary, then then it's okay, great. I mean, if yeah, the way you, if the way you get to the goals is well, we need to go through a change management process that's highly collaborative that brings people along in that process. And if we don't go that way, yeah, it doesn't matter if we get to a hundred kids. You know, if we it doesn't matter then if we get to five hundred kids in attendance and we're baptizing one hundred and fifty kids a year. Right. If the way in which we got to that goal was yeah. bulldozing everyone over in our culture, that will not work. Even if the results are there, if the road to get there is paved over people. Now, I know everyone's listening to that saying, well, yeah, absolutely, right? That sounds totally right. But talking about it in leadership theory and living it out in practical culture are two completely separate things. There's no one who will get up on stage and say, by any means necessary, guys, at least I haven't heard it. By any means necessary, guys, you got to do what you got to do. Only the strong survive. Darwinism church. Like no one's going to say that. They don't need to say it if if their culture allows that to happen, if what they're actually living out is, Mm. you know, yeah, I know it says over there integrity and and character and all those other things, but here's the reality. You need to get 500 kids. And if it means you're kind of, you're firing people or bulldozing over people or people hate you or getting angry emails, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, we need to get to the goal. Versus, hey, we need to the goal, but the road and how you get there, the journey of it is so much more important Mm. because that is the culture. The culture is the journey of how you're getting there. Yep. So if I was to go back in time, it's not just me asking Pastor Matt, who's great, by the way, yeah. who I love. I, I mean, tr- truly, I still listen to his his podcast, The Debrief. Yeah. I mean, he's a really smart guy. Um, it's not just a matter of him saying, hey, we need to have a bigger youth ministry. We need to grow. So we need to have a strategy. We have no strategy right now. We need to have metrics of what we're tracking. You know, right. how do we know if we're winning or we're losing? Well, I'll get in front of a whiteboard. I'll create all that. Yeah. And I'll shove it down everyone's throat if I have to. Like, I will get them to eat the, the dish that I prepared. Sure. Well, that doesn't work because if the preparation process means that I have all these little sous chefs with me creating the dish, the strategy, mm-hmm. the metric system, the, our culture is one where everyone's creating it together, then it doesn't matter if the dish is delicious at the end if it's you're the only chef or if you either you're the only chef or you brought everyone along with you, yeah. you know, to, so to use the analogy to its fullest and to, you know, beat a dead horse over it. If, if even if it tastes really good, if you find out how you prepared it was the worst way possible, yeah, then you're not winning. And, and that is the bigger definition of culture um, that I'm after because That's I'm good. telling you, so many people ask the same question you did and walk away from the interview thinking, Oh man, it's totally clear. This, the, in a culture that takes culture seriously, the journey of how you get there is more important than just the results. Because if it was just the results, I'd still be at sandals. Yeah. Like if it was just the results, I, I was I had a great strategy that everyone loved. Everyone loved the strategy. Everyone loved the the systems, the metrics. Like, dude, I still have all the documents from it. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I sent them out to people because they, I still consult. I was consulting with the church three months after they fired me. Sure. They. They kept, I kept consulting, kept having the systems comp- were there. Because the systems the were there. The fit wasn't there. The fit wasn't there. The systems were, the strategy was there. Hmm. The fit wasn't there. Um, and that was a huge problem. And I wish I would have known those kind of things. Yeah. Not just the, the, the well, these are what the goals are. Right. How, what's on the table as far as how we get to those goals. That's good. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, talk for a minute about, um, you know, we 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 will we talk about you know best version of yourself, yeah. right? Um, do you believe that you could have adapted to that culture? Would you have wanted to? You know, what what would it have taken for you to to have you know quote unquote right air quotes on a podcast is always a great thing. Yeah, but, um, yeah. fit in. I'd have to be a completely different person. I, I I could not. I am not that. I'm not that guy. And there's. Um, and so, yeah, the answer is yes to that. Of course, there's things that I that I could do and change about myself. Um, but is the amount of work, you know, Kurt Johnston, who's a mentor of mine and a friend of mine, 
tweeted something out one time. I'm going to butcher it. But it was basically, you know, is the amount of work you're putting into a change really worth the payoff of that change? Mm-hmm. Like, is the amount of, like, it, you know, the amount of work it would take me to play piano, is it worth it? Like, am I planning on playing piano a ton of my life? I mean, am I going to become a worship leader and play piano a ton? Like, the amount of work it would take me to learn piano right now is, I think, it would just be extreme. Yeah. The amount of work it would have taken me to really learn that culture, to really become successful in that culture, is it worth is it worth the work of that? Or is it better just to admit, you know what, I'm not a fit here. There's a lot of other places I probably am a fit. Yeah. And I'm going to go work there. And that's okay. Right. And that's where uh, and that's where I, that's where I'm at with the whole thing. That's great. Could I have done it? Yeah, sure, I could have done it. Anyone can do anything if they're willing to put their mind to it. I think anyone who says they're a leader is capable of almost anything if if they have the um you know the agile um, problem solver you know these are all skills that most leaders would say they have right I'm a problem solver I'm, you know I'm agile I can you know knowing what to do when you don't know what to do I can fi- you know figure it out right. that's a huge selling point for most every leader in the world so yeah could I have sure and, and we were actually we were working on it I, I was reading this book called Extreme Ownership. Mm-hmm by a guy named Jocko, who was a Navy SEAL guy, that really punched me in the face with how many excuses I made. Mm. I, and, and I want to make really clear, hopefully you've kept listening to this podcast, that if you feel like I've made excuses throughout any of these points, none of these are excuses. These are all just the facts of the culture and of the system. Sure. The responsibility of it fell on me. When when I'm sitting there with my boss, who, was, who became my boss four, five months into the job, I got a brand new boss. And the very first meeting I had with this guy, I, I swear to God, I swear on my life, the, he just became my boss. They just announced that we met. We went into the other room and he said, this is going to be a difficult conversation. This guy was my boss 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And he said, this is going to be a difficult conversation. There's things about your leadership that are, that are not working here. Mm-hmm. There's things that need to change or you're not going to be here much longer. And I'm sitting there and it's like, this is this is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. Sure. This is unbelievable. This conversation I'm having with this guy, because I barely knew him, and and he leans in even further, and he's like, "Listen, w- I'm willing to help you. We are willing to help you. We're going to take steps to help you, but it's not working, and we need to get it to working." Mm-hmm. Now, that may be a sucky thing to say. That is the proof of a hel- of a culture, healthy, unhealthy. It's not about that. It is the proof of a culture that actually takes what they say seriously about their culture. Yeah. Okay. And so he got me the book, the, the book Extreme Ownership. It, the book is all about not making excuses. I mean, in the, in the end, the punchline of the book is don't make excuses about stuff. Right. Own it. Be uh, you know extreme ownership. And it's an incredible book. And I read that book, and it just hit me in the face with how many excuses I made about things. And so I'm not making excuses about any of this. And I, I really hope not to. The the fact of the matter is. I was unwilling to do the work it took to get to where they needed me to be. Yeah. Not that I was unable to. I think mm-hmm. anyone's able to do the things, but I was unwilling to. And it kept hitting me in the face and it just kept eventually became the point where it's like, this just isn't working. Yeah, I, I think I would push on one thing and, and, sure, and I know please. that this is, uh, it, and, it's, and it's fresh in what you're doing. I think everyone is able to make those changes for a season. I think that for the most part, the way that you are wired, and you, you know, you've used in your Enneagram number a couple of yeah. times. The way that you are wired is the way that you approach the world. And you can soften that for a season. You can ramp that up for a season. You can try different things on. But really, you lead the way that you lead. And you'll, you know, so it's, it's, it's a difference between who you are and skills you'll develop. Yeah. Right. I think you can develop skills, but your approach at leadership is, is, is probably fairly set within the context of, of what you're going to do again yeah. in the long term right um it, you know I, another way to think of it is like uh i can i can be the nicest person in the world unless i'm really tired and hungry you know what i mean you know oh, at, yeah. at, at, at your base level the way that you approach things what i find interesting is that uh truly different churches different leadership cultures have a bit of a different definition of um, of what their culture is going to be, and so again, you've described, and it's and and, I, and it's funny. I, I'm imagining for anyone that's listening, hearing you describe your style of leadership is like, whoa, like bull in a china shop, like <laughs> whoa, like can't honor, you know, whoa, like right. <laughs> but but the reality is that that that's 
part of your strength in in who you are is that you can make quick decisions, is that you can do these different things. And you can develop some skill to soften the edges around that. You can develop yeah. some of those things. And I think that you're in a season right now that you are developing some of those things. My oh, yeah. my big push um, really is, is, is for that person that's listening right now that is good at the the function of their job. They're getting decent results. Um, you know, they, uh, they're good at the, again, the base functions. They're a good speaker or mm. worship leader or good. whatever that is, right? But when they're sitting with their team, when they're sitting with the leadership of that, that church culture, that ministry culture, they're realizing we're just coming at this from a completely different angle. What do you say to that person who's trying to figure out... Um, Am, am I the right fit here? What what kind of internal questions could they be asking themselves? What kind of questions could they be asking of that staff to, to, to realize, hey, I don't just want a job. I could probably go do this exact job somewhere else and really live in my gifting. Yeah. What do you say to them? Uh, so there's three things I'd say to them. I'd say number one, just take, take a deep breath. <laughs> don't make yeah. some rash decision. Don't make some quick decision. Take a deep breath and read through the Gospels. I mean, really commit yourself to just read through the Gospels. Mm. There's four books in the Gospels if anyone, everyone's new to the, the Bible thing. It's uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and... Um, um, uh, 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 what is it again? It's John. I mean, obviously it's John. <laughs> Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And see, this is a funny podcast too. It could easily be a comedy podcast. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, read through them and do something really simple. Look at all the different personalities of the disciples and ask yourself, when Jesus put together that team, like what was he thinking? You know, what was the culture he was trying to create putting together 12 very different people, one of which ended up stabbing him in the back, by the way. Okay, yeah. so when he put this group together, what was he thinking? When, when he was thinking culture and leadership and the future of, you know, the church, what was going through his mind when he put these 12 people together? Ask yourself that question mm. and take a big deep breath. Here's the second thing. Um, and it's kind of a little bit off of Jesus. So using Jesus again as the example, Jesus saw something in these 12 guys. I don't believe he just picked 12 guys at random. Right. They just, I'm walking down the beach. Hmm, I, I really want to get some guys to follow me. Hey, there's a two guys. Hey, you guys drop your nuts. Come follow me. I don't believe it's that, that ridiculously random. I think that those two guys were picked for a reason, just like all the other guys were picked. Mm -hmm. So why were you picked? You ask yourself that question. Maybe go to your boss. Especially if you're feeling like, man, I'm sitting with my team and like, this isn't, I don't feel like this is working. I had those moments. And then I went to Pastor Matt and I said, why did you guys hire me? Like I, I, I sit in this meeting with people and they look at me like I have eight heads. Like they look at me, like all I'm talking is strategy and, 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 you know, data and metrics. And they're talking about feelings and how, you know, it's good to have a small youth ministry because they can know all the kids. That's why they want to keep it at 25 kids. And I'm like, I hear that and I'm just like, <laughs> I never said that once in my life. I've never once in my life thought, you know what's a good ministry, a small ministry. I've never once said that. So I look at Matt, you know, why did you hire me for this? So you should go to your boss, whoever your report is, whatever it is. Why do they hire you? What do they see in you? What are the things they saw in you that they believe you brought to the organization? What are the reasons for that? Mm -hmm. You know, just ask them. I, Jesus did that a ton. I bet. I bet he had to, Listen, it's not, it's not in the Bible. It's because I'm kind of, I feel like I'm kind of ad-libbing a little bit, but I don't, I don't feel like it's heresy. There's some of the guys who probably looked around and like, there's like, well, there's one guy over there is a zealot. These other guys are pretty orthodox. Like some guys are old, some guys are young and they're probably looking Jesus, but Jesus, you know, I'm just a fisherman. Like I don't even, I didn't get any education. The rabbis passed over me. That's why that whole idea of come follow me is such yeah. a powerful thing because they were probably as young Jews um, training, learning, you know, going through the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible for anyone who doesn't know, learn that in Bible college. And they were passed over by the rabbi. And then now you have Jesus, the rabbi saying, come follow me. I mean, that's a really emotional, powerful moment for probably right. young Jews that that wanted to be religious leaders at the time. So what was it that you said, you know, come follow me? Why, why did you pick me? Why, you know, of all the people you talked to, why did you pick me? That's a reasonable question. I would ask that. You know, and here's the third thing, you know, it is what I'm doing right now making an impact, okay? Even in a small way. I, I really I really believe that. I look back at my nine months there and I had some really tough times. Mm -hmm. I had some really good times. I did three things during my nine months there. I helped launch three campuses while I was there mm -hmm. with, in, with what I believe to be a healthy youth ministry. I'm really proud of that. Yeah. Um, I birthed two really strong friendships, people I did not know. I had never met them before I started on staff that... I still consider them to be good friends that I still text and talk to all the time. Those relationships for someone who's a bull in a China shop, 
those relationships are relationships I will have the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. um, and three, um, I helped bring in um, two different staff members that are still there on staff. And guess what? They're thriving. They're yeah. thriving there. And so maybe I didn't thrive there. Maybe I didn't kill it there. But but when I was in the moment, even if I was having a tough time, I can look and say, hey, what, what things are working? It's easy to point out the things that aren't working. What yeah. is working? Oh man, I, I was, you know, I was able to help this guy get through the, the pipeline of hiring. And, you know, now they're on staff and they're killing it. And this was their dream. They've been going to the church. I never attended Sandals Church. Yeah. There's one guy that works there that I helped get on staff there who was going there for like seven years. Hmm. He loves the church. He 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 worked somewhere else. He they donated a bunch through the organization he worked at to the church. You know, he loved, loved the church. And now he's working at the church in a, in a pretty high capacity leadership position. That's a really cool thing. I got to yeah. launch campuses. I got to meet with parents and students and look at them in the eye and say, man, you're at a church, church that loves you and here's the youth worker for your campus. They love you. Yeah. That's a good thing. So in the midst of all this confusion and my culture fit, you know, the whole, you know, should I, do I belong here? Do I not belong here? What's going on? Can you look at anything that's happening in your circle of influence and say, you know what, I, I'm doing some good mm -hmm. and we're going to, we'll talk through this stuff. We'll figure it all out, but I'm not wasting my time here. Yeah. Now, the other side of it is, if you're looking and it's like, I don't feel like doing any good. Like I can't suck an ounce of, of good out of what I'm doing. Then you have to have some really tough conversations. I mean, then you have right. to have some really real tough conversations and there's very few people who are in that category, but that category does exist. Um, but then you have to have some really tough, real conversations and then f start figuring out your exit plan, which is not a terrible thing to, to talk about. I think because we don't talk about it, it becomes like this scary, alluring thing of, you know, Oh, exit plan. Yeah. Your exit plan, you, if it's really not working and it's so clear to see and there's no even momentary joy that can help get you through and you're kind of figuring this out, not happiness, joy, the, the not I'm happy or I'm sad. I'm talking about the joyful fulfillingness that comes from doing the work of the ministry. There's nothing you can pull from to fill, to fill you up, to bring you joy to what you're doing, that even though things are hard, you can still go into the office because you know that, and you have a joyful spirit about the work you're doing unto the Lord, then you have a real serious problem. And at that point, then you really need to be figuring out your plan. That's good. Dude, I, I appreciate you taking the time to, to share some of your story. Let us know. Uh, again, I'm, my, my hope is that for someone that's listening to, to this, who is in the interview process, that yeah. they're starting to, to really take culture and fit much more seriously than I think a lot of people do. And then for that person that that is at a church or at a nonprofit right now and and they feel like again the functions of the job are going well, but the relationships, the the culture is just not not really fitting. Yeah. They're starting to ask some of those hard questions, and they're not easy. But they, it is necessary, I believe, to ask those questions to come to a place and and really find a place where not only do you survive in ministry, but you you thrive in ministry. And I think that the difference there comes from fit. Yeah, so big time. I appreciate you, man. And uh, <clears throat> thanks for being on. I appreciate you. And I appreciate this opportunity. And I want to make one last thing really clear. Yeah. Love Mariner's Church. I still attend there. Yeah. Love Sandals. Mm -hmm. I'd recommend people to go work there. If, yes. if you're a fit for that culture. Absolutely. Man, you, you'd thrive there. Like great senior pastor, growing church, really love the church. And, and everything we talked about here are, are things that I've talked about with the staff there and with leadership there. So mm -hmm. there's nothing I'm saying here that's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he's saying that. And it's not like you're even telling them to change it. Not at all. It's that it wasn't the right fit wasn't for right you. Fit. And that's okay. I think yes. once we can get to the place where it's okay that things may not be a fit for us, it's okay. Um, it, it lets us look at the church as this body of different pieces very differently mm -hmm. and very realistically. And that's one of the things that I love. Love sandals, love mariners, love the experience, love what I'm doing now. Love, you know, I'll hopefully work at a church again sometime. I think I will. I'm going to love that too. Yeah. And But I'll go into that process very differently. With you know, different. But it gives you this, this sense of, wow, the church really is a body of different parts. That's a really, that's a biblical thing. And it's a healthy thing. Yeah. And I think this, this for me demonstrates that. And some of the most, it was really painful when it happened, but some of the most painful things can teach us the most beautiful truths. And I think that beautiful truth that the church really is what it says it is, um, that I believe this is Jesus's plan for the church. And they're like, wait, wait, you getting fired? Is Jesus's plan for the church? I think, yeah, that having church that's made up of different parts and, and different cultures and, and they're going after different things, different ways to reach different people. And I wasn't a fit for that and that's okay. 
That's a good thing. That's the church. I, I'd rather have a church yeah. like that than a banal church that's doing absolutely nothing um, that is just so generic and anyone can do anything and it's whatever. And there's no backbone to that. And and luckily I've gotten to work at two really great churches that have really great backbone to who they are. Um, but I want to say that so that no that's one good. listening is thinking like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he's saying all this. This guy really is crazy. And I am crazy. But, but I'm loving and I have learned and experienced the honoring thing in a different way. And so hopefully when the Sandal staff listens to this, I'm sure they will. Um, they felt very honored in this. I would, I would, I just love them. I, I think that that they've taught me more about leadership than I learned from any book um, that I've ever read. They've learned, they've yeah. helped teach me through experience, which has been a, been a true gift, true gift. A good word, man. That's a good word. Welcome back. That was an awesome interview some really good nuggets in there. David, that was an incredible conversation you just had with with Justin. What's Give us one thing. What's something that, that stands out to you after just listening to that interview again? Yeah, man. I think the thing that I really appreciated about my time with Justin really kind of revolved around um, his self-awareness. So, you know, yeah. as you listen to it, and as I was listening to it again, um, understanding that, that he was very self-aware specifically on the back end of everything that happened at Sandals, right? I, I, I feel like that is, yeah. is such a huge piece to it. And, and, and as I heard him talking more, and even he and I had a chance to hang out a little bit um, when the interview had wrapped up because he was you know, up here at, at my office while we were recording, um, we talked about self-awareness a little bit. Like uh, the, the things that he touches on can only truly be helpful to the leaders who are listening if they are taking the time to know themselves well enough to realize what culture they would fit in, what yeah. culture they would thrive in, and what culture they would not thrive in. And I think a lot of leaders obviously are still trying to figure that out. And so, you know, those of you that are listening to this and are saying, man, I don't know between a, a, a Mariner's culture or a culture that, just, that Justin was talking about where he would really thrive and a Sandals culture where, where he really didn't fit. I don't know which of those. I would I would thrive in. Um, I think that would be you know my big push would, would say take the time now to discover the best version of who you are and where your leadership can um, flourish the most. I think he's done a really good job of yeah, that. Yeah, it's so good. And you know when when I hear that that or heard that conversation that you had with with Justin, just the transparency and even the vulnerability in that was, you know, somewhat impressive to me to say, you know, hey, here's what I learned through this, this painful experience. It's saying yes to an opportunity that on the surface mm -hmm. looked great, sounded great, and is great for the right leader and the right person. But the self-awareness to be able to say, you know, I really wasn't going to be at my best in that role. And until you're radically self-aware, right. you'll be tempted to do things along the way in the journey that may seem right and may even be good, but aren't necessarily best for you. Right. I, I think that he would, he came off, um, actually, I'll even be really honest. When we first started talking, I was afraid that he was going to um, speak negatively about one of the churches that he had worked at. But what, again, because of the self-awareness, I think he was able to say, this is good and this is good, but this just isn't good for me. Exactly. And that to me speaks really highly of, of what, he's, what he's wrestling through in this season. Part of that journey though, when we say, hey, figure out who you are. I, I look back on my life and the times that I've learned who I was. I didn't learn when I was at the, like in Justin's case, mm -hmm. 10 years at Mariners. You don't really learn who you are. You just flow and function. Mm. It's when you fail. Yeah. It's when you get fired. It's after the failure happens that you can learn about yourself the most. So I would say, if you don't understand who you are yet, don't be afraid to step out. We want to be wise. And we, have a, we, should, we want to have to know what we're good at, what we're not the most. But a lot of times we can't fully understand and probably never will yep. fully understand who we truly are without stepping out and taking risk and doing something different. Because it's when you do something different, you go, yeah, I did not like that. That was not, or that wasn't, that wasn't me, or I'm not a fit. They're not, I'm not who they actually need. Because a lot of times, and this is when we're in the search world and we're helping connect candidates and churches, there's often a disconnect with what a church thinks they want and mm. what they want. 
And there's also a big disconnect in the candidate with what they think they want and what they actually want. And so we get to serve as a translator, but part of that journey is sometimes experiencing something different is how you figure out, I don't like sushi. And I've tried sushi multiple times and I can tell you, I don't like it. But I had to try it first before I could tell you that I don't like sushi. You seriously don't like sushi? I don't like sushi. What is the matter with you? I heard Stan Endicott once say that sushi is for people without stoves. <laughs> Dude, I love sushi. I, we're about to be friends off on that one, just just so you know. Well, hey, real fast. So what then um, are there things... I, I, one of my favorite questions that I got to talk to Justin about really was around that idea of um, what does he wish that he would have known before he came in? Yeah, those um, questions. At, what at, questions asked? That was yeah, as you guys great. are helping connect candidates to churches, how are you helping candidates to kind of um, get to the bottom of some of that? Do you have key questions that you're encouraging them to be to ask? Or do you have things that you're saying, hey, look out for this to make sure that this would be a fit? Because truly, again, that phrase that we're titling this podcast, like fit matters most, you know, you can be a... a, a, a a children's pastor at one church and thrive and a children's pastor at another church and not, right? You can be a lead pastor yep. at one church and thrive and a lead pastor at another church and not. And so what are the ways that you guys are helping um, train and coach these candidates to find out what the culture is like at church? One of the biggest things I think for candidates, especially successful candidates, after they've been somewhere for 10 years, they've experienced 10 years of success and expect to go there next place and it'd be year 11. Mm. And so it's really, sometimes it can be difficult to discern. Is this just, I'm experiencing year one again and I've never been at year one. I haven't been at year one in 10 years. Mm. Is it, is it, is it the digging in to this new culture, these new people, these new relationships, the new way of operating with from where do I make my copies to get my coffee to what what is the unspoken rules of this place, none knowing none of that yeah. from being somewhere 10 years where I know all the things. I know where all yeah. the hidden things are. I know where to find this. So it, helping candidates sometimes discern and prepare for, yes, sometimes success translates, mm-hmm. but success does not immediately translate because you are starting at ground zero. And so establishing what is the difference between integrating into a culture or not fitting a culture sometimes can be confusing. And so I think it's digging into those next level of how have you operated, how have you experienced um, success in the past and helping candidates see, well, that was through relationship. Well, yeah. It's going to take you time to build those relationships. Have you thought well, about what, that? That you're going to have to. You're not going to see that success until yeah down the road. Yeah, and and part of it is when you're stepping into a new organization, you have to ask yourself how much of myself am I willing to change in order to be what they need me to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that honesty, that radical transparency with yourself is a very important piece before we just say yes. Big time. And, you know, we use this word authentic a lot in Christianity and it, just like a buzzword. I think maybe a better word than authentic is a word that's used often in counseling and that's congruent. And it's this idea of always staying connected with yourself. Mm-hmm. And for the Christian, of course, this means understanding who God has uniquely designed you and created you to be yeah. and staying true to that. And then stepping into a new role, a new organization, you have to look around and say, okay, what of myself am I going to have to adapt or change? And am I willing to let certain things grow and grow into that new person that God may be leading me into but I think sometimes it's more of a fire ready aim approach. No, that's good. I I liked at the end of the interview, kind of where Justin landed on that as well. You know, I, I, he he said I, I believe that it's a Kurt Johnson quote that he butchered. So I, I I can't confirm or deny that this is from Kurt, but uh, Kurt's smart enough that it, it definitely could be from him. But this whole concept of um, is the amount of work that or is the amount of work that it takes to make this change worth it. And I think as I was talking to him around, you know, could you have made the changes necessary? Could you have basically become another person? He didn't say it this way, but 
But here's what I heard. Um, I think that so many leaders are working tirelessly to become someone that they're not rather mm-hmm. than really leaning into who they are and allowing those gifts, that wiring, the thing that makes them unique as a leader to propel them forward. It's not that we should never work on the things that are our blind spots or the things that you know, we, we need to get better at, but to, to come into a culture that has an expectation of you to be someone different is going to be exhausting. And I think that a leader can only do that for a really short amount of time. And I think that's what we, what we really started touching on with Justin. Um, and he says it differently maybe than I would. You know, I think he's just kind of like, I, I didn't want to. Um, you know, I think is how he worded it. He's like, could you have done it? Yeah, but I didn't want to. Um, I don't actually, I don't know that I think that he means that he didn't want to. Of course he would have wanted to fit at that church. Yeah. I think he has so much respect and love for what they do. Of course he wanted to fit there. I think that it was that um, what it would take to really and truly thrive there is more than what he had the ability to, to, to pour into. It's exhausting. And so, man, that's, I think that's, that's huge. That's huge, that self-awareness, that ability to know that is huge. David, I think that's a great thought to um, end on. And uh, just anybody out there, if you're feeling like, man, I'm not a fit, I think of those, the last part of that conversation where having, having conversations with, the, ask, go ask the question of your supervisor, why did you hire me? I think that's a that's a great insight into figuring out and a reminder sometimes when we get tired, why am I here and why did they invite me here? So fit is important. Thank you everybody for joining us on the Slingshot Group podcast. It's been a blast. We'll catch you in the next one. So now we've come to that part in our show where we take a moment to share a story from the front lines, from the trenches of ministry. I believe that stories are one of the unique ways in which the playing ground for all of us is completely leveled. And if you've been in ministry for any amount of time at all, you realize that things oftentimes don't go as planned. And that's where some of our best stories come from. And I promise you, as you listen, this is one of those stories that you actually have to hear to believe. Check it out. I'm going to actually tell a story uh, about being a part of Slingshot Group here for a minute. I think this is this is the right one. One of the things we get to do at Slingshot Group is we go in and we do these site visits with churches often, uh, whether that's for coaching or staffing. And really it's gathering information, building relationships, you know, understanding a lot about the churches that we work with. And, and so here's the deal. One of the, you know, I have been told that I walk with purpose. You guys get that? I mean, have you ever had like well, you when just I'm walking somewhere walk like you know what you're doing? It's that, well, that's like it. There's a little going. fake it team, make it. Whether I know where I'm going or not, I'm going to walk, you know, like I have a good idea of what's coming up in front of me. And so, uh, man, I was at a church. Uh, we'll say that this church was in Louisiana. Um, and <laughs> while I was at this church in Louisiana, um, I'm walking around and they said, they literally told me, hey, walk everywhere in the building, get an idea of, of what's happening around, go over, get, get backstage, get into the student area, look around the children's area, which Vance, you've been in children's ministry. I have not been. That should have been mm-hmm. at least a little yellow warning should have gone off when they said, go check out the children's area. But at the time it didn't. And at the time I didn't have children myself. So I didn't think about the creepy factor of this, you know, 30 something year old walking around the children's area of a church unannounced. Taking pictures yeah, yeah, yeah. of the yeah, children's phone, phone is out. Yeah, that's my favorite. Yeah, my phone is out. I'm taking pictures of the environments to add to a profile for this church in Louisiana. And so while I'm walking around and trying to, you know, get my bearings, I don't even realize that I'm going toward um, the children's area of the, of the church yet because I've never been there. And I, I find myself heading down this corridor and I, and I hear very, um, I'm, I'm texting or write, kind of writing notes to myself about the environment and the questions I want to ask in an upcoming meeting. And, and I get um, a, a really kind, uh, sir, can I help you? Mm-hmm. And it did not register that someone was talking to me. There were other people around. Didn't register at all. Sir, can I help you? Like, yeah, well, 
And so I just keep walking and I keep, I keep getting deeper and deeper into this children's area of, of the church. And, and I hear it a little louder, a little firm. Yeah. Sir, can I help you with something? And Oh, I hope oh, you get tased wait, next. Wait, 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 wait. I wish yeah. I got tased next. It was a little bigger <laughs> than that. Me too. Um, the next time, a couple more steps in, I just hear a click, click, sir, my gun is drawn. <laughs> no And I, I had not been in a church Oh with gosh. armed, you yeah, were in with Louisiana. armed guards before. I had not that that was a new thing for me. You're one state off. This yeah, is well, Texas. This no, is not Louisiana. Because the names have been changed, Vance, to protect the innocent. This church was in <laughs> Louisiana. It's in Texas. So I, I I literally, I mean, it was I dropped my phone to the ground, hands go in the air immediately. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm supposed to be here. I uh, text this person and let them they'll tell you that I'm supposed to be here. And so what this has done to me is now I have a phobia. Anytime that I'm even near a children's area. I I make known what I'm doing. Anytime when I go to a church, I think actually, uh, I know Keith, you've been on a site visit with me before. You, you've heard this story. Um, I went mm-hmm. to this, it was a church like 10,000 in Florida. And, and this, and I literally, they said, yeah, go around. Look, and they literally said, go ahead and look in the children's area. And I stopped them. And I said, would you do me a favor? And would you let your security team know that I'm here and what I look like and that it's okay for me to look in the children's area because I have this story and I tell them the whole thing and it, it, it has completely stuck with me. I will never, I will never go unannounced into an area, especially in Louisiana, where I know that so many of their people are armed um, and, you know, darn it, I'm not. And so that is my, that is my story. Uh, we have a dangerous job, boys. You know, so there, there are just times. You never know right. what danger could be lurking around. The I mean, so I get that I've got a sketchy vibe, you know, and that's fine. I'm cool with that. But just keep your gun in the holster, buddy. You know, like, let me do the job that I was brought in to do. Please don't shoot me. He, he was doing a job too. I think you brought that on yourself. The whole learning from this okay, good. is- Okay, good. So that was my fault. It's That's what you're letting fault. me know. Oh, totally. Great. 100%. Great. 100%. Well, this went from 100%. a great story to uh, quite the learning for me. <laughs> I appreciate you guys so much. <laughs> I'm here to serve. Thank you for joining us this week on the Slingshot Group podcast. We invite you to continue the conversation with us on social media. You can find Slingshot Group on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, be sure to visit us at slingshotgroup.org to find out more about how we build remarkable teams through staffing and coaching. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the Slingshot Group podcast so you'll never miss a show. Until next time.